Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 184. And today it is Terry's turn to share something. Terry, what do you have? Well, Daisy, as I was looking for something to share, I happened upon a repeat topic, but a little more recent. I think it was a couple years ago when I first shared this, and it came from one of my favorite podcasts. So I thought, well, let me let me check this out. So it is an episode from the School of Greatness with Lewis Howes, and the guest is Mel Robbins. And you and I have talked about at least two strategies from Mel Robbins. Mm, she's reliable, isn't she? Yeah, there's the five, four, three, two, one strategy where you count backwards and then you do the behavior or interrupt the thought or whatever it is that you're working on. And this one is even more specifically about interesting. (laughs) I just realized the title is called Mel Robin Reveals a Five-Second Secret That Will Change Your Life Forever. And that sounds like it's the 54321 strategy, but actually this was more about the high five in the mirror. And that's what I wanted to share. Again, I know I did that one a couple years ago, but I think this was a really good episode and it also made me think about some other things and also made me do a little more research. So I wanted to share with you some input from this episode and some other thoughts that I had. So just to refresh or to catch anyone up who maybe didn't listen to the original episode that I had shared about this, Mel Robbins came up with this strategy because she was recognizing in her own life feelings of not loving herself, not taking good care of herself, and really being over um, kind of overridden by anxiety and fear and you know, kind of self-loathing. And so the two strategies that she's pretty well known for, as I mentioned, the five, four, three, two, one, where she would count backwards, like, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get out of bed, I have so much work to do, and then she would go five, four, three, two, one, and jump out of bed. So it just was a way to activate her to get her to do the thing that she was avoiding. The other strategy is the high-fiving yourself in the mirror. And I know, again, when I mention this, sometimes people look at me kind of funny and think it's really strange. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about some more that she said about it, some thoughts that she and Lewis House shared, and um, kind of re-emphasize this, because I think it actually is a really good strategy. I'm going to, it's triggered me to go back and listen to the original episode, because I seem to remember that I added something onto it that you were quite taken with, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you will revisit it and remember. I will, yeah. So the strategy being, and, and she does really talk about trying to set this up as part of a routine so that you do it normally. So for example, connecting it with brushing your teeth. If you brush your teeth twice a day, you know, you're already in the bathroom looking in the mirror and and to start doing this. So you look at yourself and you high five yourself. Now she talked about doing a little more with it also in that you look at yourself and set your intention. 
you set your intention for the day, you say something positive, and then you raise your hand and you seal that deal by doing the high five, by raising your hand up. And interestingly, she said that just setting the intention can help you silence that critic that kind of holds you back and instead can kind of refill your sails with some wind by setting that intention. But doing the high five at the same time really instills it even more so. And she talked about something that then made me go do a little research afterwards. And she said that this is kind of a novel thing for many of us because we have been used to high-fiving other people. And why do we do that? We want to let someone know, I see you, I believe in you, you've got this. This is why we high-five. So for many of us, it's going to feel kind of strange to start to do that for ourselves. It's a gesture that we're used to doing for other people, but we're not used to doing it for ourselves. So she talked about something called neurobics, and that is spelled N-E-U-R-O-B-I-C-S, neurobics. So you probably are thinking aerobics, you know, that's movement that uses oxygen and movement that doesn't use oxygen oxygen is called anaerobic. So what do you think neurobics are? It's aerobics for your brain. That's right. So of course, this led me down a path that in some future episode, I'm going to have to come back with some other neurobic kind of exercises, but it was a pretty interesting topic. So basically what you're doing is you're kind of creating a marriage or a bond between this new movement and this new neurological activity. And that's actually the fastest way to create that pathway in your brain in a way that you want it to be solidified. So if I'm gonna say something positive to myself, that's the neurological activity, that's the pathway that I want to reinforce. And by doing this physical movement at the same time, it's more likely to really kind of ingrain it into that neurological pathway. Interesting. Now, you had mentioned something about this before, Daisy, that I don't know that, I don't remember if you used the term neurobics or if we talked about it because it seemed like a new term to me, but writing with your non-dominant hand. And I think oh, you talked yes. about brushing your teeth yes. with your non-dominant mm. hand. And I can't remember actually, who was talking about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And that actually is a neurobic exercise. Ah. That because it's not a common movement that your body is used to making, your brain has to be actively engaged a little differently to use that other hand to brush your teeth or whatever. Well, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it is such a common movement. Mm-hmm. It's almost... You know, you, you, it's a movement you do without thinking, really. That's right. But, yeah, the amount of thinking you have to do to suddenly start doing it, something that you've been doing for years, for decades, every day, to suddenly start doing it with your other hand is really, really challenging. So it engages the brain differently and... In general, from what I read, neurobics can have all kinds of benefits. New brain growth, better memory, 
improved mood. And so that's really Mm. going into this episode here. But that idea of doing it, doing some kind of novel movement. And so I was thinking as I was reading that, then I'm like, oh, so I could high five myself. And when that becomes too standard, I could high five myself with my non-dominant hand. I could really get this neurobic. (laughs) Double it up. Yeah, I get this um, benefit going. So she said that, you know, some people will do this activity, they'll do the high five, and they're going to feel good. They're going to, you almost feel a mood improvement, again, because the amount of energy that it takes your brain to pair these two things, it makes it much harder to then say, oh, you suck, you're not going to make it, you're going to fail today. It's really hard to get distracted by those things because your brain is already really focusing on this other new thought process and new physical movement. She said, though, some of us are going to resist it. It will bring up our old limiting beliefs, our old beliefs that I'm not worthy. So if I high five myself, if I don't believe that I'm worthy, it's going to feel incongruent. So we then have to actually work on getting more accepting of ourselves and believing in our value so that it's not incongruent. So again, she mentioned it's really essential that we work on believing that we deserve the good and that unfortunately many of us learned that we only deserve that positive reinforcement when we're achieving and you know we might have learned this when we were young if you do this thing and you do it well i will give you positive feedback if you don't do this thing i will ignore you or i will punish you and so some of us are really going to have to work on this creating that sense of i deserve the good not because i've achieved something but just because i am So one of the reasons she said that this whole high five is such a powerful reinforcer, a positive thing to be doing, is what it really taps in us is that we are motivated by feeling empowered, supported, receiving kindness, being loved, being celebrated. And she and Lewis at this point talked about coaches or others that were very punitive or very harsh and he he described I did work hard for those people because I didn't want to get punished I didn't want to be called names but it didn't feel good it wasn't a empowering doing better it was a doing better to avoid that negative and so it didn't come with positive energy And he said that he definitely had coaches that were encouraging and he felt much more motivated and he felt better about his successes even than he had with the others. So I I think this is an important thing to think about that when we feel celebrated, seen and supported, we are more likely to feel positive about what we're doing, which is going to continue to lay down those tracks in our brain in the way that we want them to. So they both really agreed. Again, totally support something that I've been teaching for years is that tough love really is not that effective with ourselves. Just trying to push yourself by 
saying something harsh or telling yourself to get up there and do it, knock it off, you sissy, or whatever, that was not going to work. So some people might be a little skeptical that a high five could have that much of an impact. So Mel Robbins went into some sharing some research that had been done about these things. And what she related it to is athletic teams. And of course, Lewis Howes was a a big athlete. And so he could relate to all these examples. But she said, you know, you see with some teams, the fist bumps, the back padding, the pat on the back, the high fives. Are these helpful? What, What do we learn about these? So she looked at a study of the U.S. NBA, the Basketball Association, and what they found is that the teams that were ranked the highest as far as their record, if you went back and looked even into the preseason behaviors, those teams had the most fist bumps, back pats, and high fives. And so you can guess the opposite. Those teams that wound up in the bottom of the ranking, go back and watch, they had the fewest. And Lewis kind of jumped in and and really talked about even just its touch, that physical touch makes a difference. And obviously not punching someone or, you know, hitting them with a board or something, but just that positive physical touch. And so again, they talked about, well, what does that do? What does it communicate? And she said, you know, really the gesture builds trust and partnership. It lets, again, it lets the other person know, I see you, I believe in you, you're cared about, you've got this, which of course you need on a team and we need that in our lives. And so when you high five yourself in the mirror, really what you're doing is helping build trust with yourself rather than this kind of disconnected, yeah, I should do more, I could do this or whatever. You are looking at yourself and high fiving you saying, I see you, I've got you, you can do this. So really has a big impact. She brought up another research study about And it reminds me a little bit of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset information, but they gave kids a challenging problem to solve. And with one group of the kids, they gave them praise. So they might highlight, you're so smart, you're so talented. Another group, they gave positive feedback, but it was focused on effort. Like you're a really hard worker. You really put your mind to this task. The other group, they didn't give any verbal feedback, but they gave high fives. Which group of kids do you think scored the best on those tasks? Well, judging from um, the way things are going, I would say the the high five one. But interesting, if um, if you'd have asked me that without the context and the build up, I quite possibly would have gone for one of the other two. Mm-hmm. I would have gone for the effort one. The middle one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do think if you only had the two pieces of feedback, either just, wow, you're so smart or you look so good mm. versus, wow, you, you've worked really hard on this or whatever. Because that has that element of, you know, I see you. Yeah. I've yeah. been observing what you've been doing. I've seen the effort you've put in. Yeah. 
And so it feels like more than it's not just it's not based on the result. It's based on the work that you've put into something. So, yeah, that's the one I think I would have gone for. And again, that ties in with growth mindset. If I Mm. focus on giving you feedback that when you work hard, you will be able to do this, you're probably going to see better results. But interestingly, the high five had the highest her had the best results. So again, I think that's something for us to think about. What does it communicate? Remember, it reinforces, I see you, I affirm you, go get them. You, you've got this. But interesting, without any words, <laughs> it's a gesture. Mm-hmm. The way she described it, going back to kind of the neurobics thing, is that you often will feel a boost in your mood, an elevation in mood, because when doing the high five, the raised arm gesture triggers your nervous system, the way she said it was, to tingle with celebration. But think about when do we raise our hand? You raise your hand to wave to someone. You raise your hand to high five someone. It is a kind of positive, energized thing. I guess we do also raise our hands to stop or interrupt something, but again, it's a charged with energy. Mm. So you actually can feel that that increased mood and also triggers a little bit of a dopamine response. So all kinds of things that work here. It's not just Mel Robbins saying, hey, why don't you just high five yourself in the mirror? I think that would work. There's really some science behind it. evidence behind it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because what it brought to my mind was that very natural reaction, I think, for a lot of people when you've just accomplished something that was really hard and you've done it, so you've got across, maybe you've literally got across the finish line, maybe it's a physical race you've just run and you've got across the finishing line, which was really challenging, or you've just, you've done something like you've figured out a difficult DIY conundrum. I I seem to remember doing this myself and your natural reaction is to fist, pump the air it's like yes I've done it yeah and that is it's not something you think about doing it's just a it's just a natural reaction isn't it Mm -hmm. so I can see how it taps into that thing that you would do naturally when you've achieved something when you feel you're feeling full of it you're feeling full of pride and accomplishment Mm -hmm. and achievement so mimicking that even if it doesn't necessarily have quite the same thing behind it mm-hmm. you're still tapping into that same energy so I can yeah. again I can see that it it's makes that sense. energy of celebration mm. as you were describing that I'm thinking you know as someone crosses the finish line in a race what do they do they throw up their hands yeah. in the air you know yeah. so it really is a, an energy to it that I think is really pretty powerful yeah, and if you think if you think sideways to that, I'm thinking there's a song, isn't there? Something about throw your hands in the air. But people having fun at a, a concert, you know, mm-hmm. what do they do? They tend to, yeah, jump up and down and throw their hands in the air and like you just don't That's care. Right. Something and on a roller coaster. I'm bad about remembering lyrics. <laughs> yeah, roller coaster. Yeah, that that wouldn't bring back good memories for me. But <laughs> yes, for some. But yes, the more you think about it, the more. It is, is definitely an energetic and usually a positive energetic gesture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, reaching our hands up in the air is not what we do in panic. No. It's not what we do in fear. No, you tend to close you know? in, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's why my arms on the roller coaster are tucked <laughs> under the bar yeah. as far as I can get them. Yep. Yeah. Somehow that's going to protect me. So, in this conversation at some point, uh, Lewis shared an example and anyone who's listened to this for a while knows I just love Lewis House. He's this big guy. He's a former athlete, but he's so willing to be vulnerable and so open about his own struggles and things. I just love him. And he talked about, unfortunately, many of us haven't learned to love ourselves or we don't talk about ourselves or think about ourselves in kind and loving ways. And and she mentioned this at some point in this episode, you know, when when you see a little kid, when they first see themselves in a mirror, they're happy. They're looking at that other thing like, holy cow, you are amazing. <laughs> and until we're taught to think otherwise of ourselves, we do have a sense of self-love, but then it gets interrupted through other messaging and other um, interactions we have with other people. And so he said that he had been talking with his therapist and the therapist had asked him to bring in a photo of him as a kid. So we shared a photo with Mel during the podcast. So of course I couldn't see it, but I could hear them talking about it. And you know, this adorable picture of five-year-old Lewis. And he said that, you know, his therapist was encouraging him to be able to look at this and recognize the value and the love for this kid. But he was talking about it more as his adult self looking at this kid self and loving him. And Mel challenged him also to think about kind of even now standing in that mirror and looking at that child self really connecting to that you are wonderful and amazing and I just think you're great before you had any reason to learn to think otherwise it was just kind of a interesting part of the conversation again just because I love him and his vulnerability and I think many of us struggle with that so he then asked but what do you do if you're filled with negative self-talk and of course this is a very common challenge that many of us struggle with she said certainly you want to start to interrupt that because for most of us it's a very long standing pattern that is now completely wired in we have that neurological pathway well defined so she said you can't just replace the negative talk with positive talk it's nice to think of it that way but that doesn't really work that first you really need to start separating yourself from that negative talk so this is where she throws back in the five four three two one strategy and basically when you catch yourself with the negative self-talk you do the five four three two one and you basically say i'm not thinking that it's like ooh, that's an ugly thought i'm not going to think that anymore by doing the five four three two one you're actually waking up the prefrontal cortex so that's not the emotional brain that has stored all of these negative you know messages this wakes up this more rational part of your brain oh right the more thinking rational part that's yeah. right 
So then she said, you know, basically you want to then work on changing your thoughts so that you stop the beat down. And she said, this is what's so problematic for most of us is that we start the beat down and then we just keep adding to it. And it's so draining and defeating. It takes our energy away from us and it makes us feel unable to do more. So once you get good at interrupting it, she suggested naming your anxiety or worries. And she gave an example of her son when he was anxious about something or afraid of something. And I don't remember the name, but let's just say he named his fear Oscar. And then you have this other image of it rather than this is me. This is Oscar. Mm. (laughs) And it's a way to, again, kind of separate yourself from that negative self-talk. You can see it as separate from you, not part of you. And therefore you can work on, that's Oscar thinking this, or that's Oscar. I don't need to think that or say that. So that was her recommendation on that. They talked a little bit then about having a positive inner self coach, which is a big topic that I've talked about in my work with the fasting method, that many of us have that negative critical coach voice inside of our head that's kind of beating us up all the time. And, you know, the more we can say, hey, what would that positive coach say to me right now is really important. She then talked about also having a meaningful mantra. I don't remember the other word she used for, but creating a meaningful mantra. Because many of us, when we reach for something to replace the negative thoughts with, we go so far into the positive that we don't actually believe it. So... Daisy, as you know, pretty soon I'm hopefully going to get back out there on the slopes and and get my skiing going again. And if I said to myself, oh, it's kind of scary. I'm not really good at this. There's that negative self-talk. So I might want to replace it with something more positive. But if I said, I am the best skier in the world, Mm, that's really not going to work. Because my brain knows that is not true. Now I just feel more kind of crappy for how far away from that ideal I am. So instead, a meaningful mantra, she said, is saying something like, I'm doing the best I can versus I'm the best at this or something. Or let's say, everyone should love and adore me. Well, that's a little too too much. Instead to say, I deserve to be accepted and cared about. That is much more congruent and something you can work into your system versus a mantra that doesn't really fit. She talked a little bit about, maybe it was even Lewis that brought this up, behavior activation therapy, which I feel like we could do an episode on that. This is basically where you actively start engaging in life, acting like the person you want to become. In my work with the fasting method, if if I want to be a healthier person, I start acting like one because if I'm doing the behaviors that a healthier person does, I'm going to create that outcome. Kind of the fake it till you make it, sort of. Mm. Mm-hmm. So let's tie this back to the high five. If you high five yourself, you are acting like someone who believes in you. So you're really reinforcing, you're giving yourself that support of someone else who believes in you but you're re, again, formatting those thought processes to be more positive about you. 
They then talked a little bit about self-sabotage, which again, huge topic. Um, And she said, you know, really for most of us, self-sabotage is not intentional. It's not something we're cognitively aware of. Nobody says, hmm, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to get out there and do some things to really screw up my life. I'm going to go do things that will ruin my marriage, or I'm going to go really beat up on my body today. That's just not really how self-sabotage works. But usually they are more based on a reactive pattern. And she gave an example of... um, For her, for a long time, she would wake up first thing in the morning very anxious. And a lot of people do. And some people think, well, that makes no sense. Why would I be anxious in the morning? I'm not even doing anything yet. But if you go back and think about, was there a time in your life where waking up, where it made sense to be anxious? Yeah. If you grew up in a family that was very chaotic maybe with people who were emotionally unavailable or even emotionally abusive. Waking up means I'm heading back into that. Oh no, I definitely had a reactive pattern of waking up with anxiety because I was going to a job that caused me a lot of of stress when I was a teacher. And so it wasn't about I have something to be anxious about right now. It is the pattern of I'm heading into this environment that is very anxiety provoking. So she talked again about learning to change those environmental factors, learning to recognize I'm okay here. I don't have to be nervous right now or anxious. So she talked about even, and I know this is going to go even more into the deep end for some people, but she described it as high-fiving your heart. So putting your hand on your heart and saying, I'm okay. I'm safe, I'm loved. That's what we need in those moments. But here's the other thing that touching your heart actually helps activate the vagus nerve, which I almost did a whole topic on the vagus nerve because that's such an important piece of all of this. But the vagus nerve is really activating that parasympathetic nervous system, that calming nervous system. So if you wake up first thing in the morning anxious and you high five your heart, you touch your heart and you say these affirming things, that that can actually start to bring about a greater sense of calm rather than letting your anxiety keep revving up. Yeah, what was that episode I did? I can't remember what the technique was called. But that was basically kind of giving yourself a hug. Do you remember? It was that sort of wrapping your arms Uh and it was stroking your arms like Mm -hmm. that. And there were some other movements you could do, but that was exactly the same. It was tapping into the feelings you get. And they they talked about the vagus nerve and things, I think. Mm -hmm. Super important to Mm -hmm. be able to activate that calming system. Because for so many of us, activating the revving up system is all too frequent and is unconscious. We're in that, you know, fight or flight state already and we need to be able to bring it down. And also like the hugging, like you described, also activates oxytocin, which is a calming, loving kind of feeling. It's another quite natural reaction. It's a bit like the hands in the air is energetic and exciting and and feels like an achievement I was thinking just then, just doing that, that's actually quite a natural reaction to sort of hug yourself when you need some comfort. 
when you're mm-hmm. cold or when you just need that, you need a hug, basically. Again, mm-hmm. it's something that quite often you do without thinking. Mm-hmm. The last thing really, or at least the last note I took from listening, she talked about another way that she thinks of high five and she called it a mental high five. And that is when you are facing a, a complicated situation or a difficult moment and you're feeling kind of down or defeated or struggling, that the mental high five is to remind yourself, and she quotes it this way, this moment is preparing me for something amazing that is coming. So even in those darker times or you know when you're in that Ah, oh, this is hard to do, or this is complicated, and I'm uncomfortable. To remind yourself, this moment is actually preparing me for something in the future. Something is coming, and not in a negative mm-hmm. way. Like this moment is preparing me for demise and and defeat. But this is taking me somewhere. But I do have to get through this. As I mentioned earlier, one of the things coming out of this episode is I think you and I at some point are going to have to dig into the neurobics Mm. because I just went to one website and they talked about like 15 different types of things you can do that are neurobic. Now we've already mentioned some today using your non-dominant hand. Yeah, I'm really interested in finding more about that. Yeah, so I think put me down for a future episode about neurobics and I'll do a little bit more research on that. But As I said, I know this is a repeat topic, but I thought this episode had a little more explanation behind it and a little more other stuff. So I thought it was worth revisiting for all of us. I hope everyone uses the high five to get this brain pattern changed and to really kind of solidify their intention, their positive intention that they're setting for themselves each day. Yeah, that's, it's really interesting. It brings back memories of the other episode but yes I don't remember the digging into that other side the studies and the scientific of evidence Mm -hmm. behind it which is all really interesting but yeah I haven't been able to stop thinking about and I want to know more about these neurobics but I'm quite excited to try to revisit that whole, yeah, brushing your teeth with your left hand thing. When when you mentioned at the beginning about, and this is where I'd be keen to know more of the details. So I'm looking forward to your neurobic episode of the benefits to your brain from doing that. So I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to start trying to brush my teeth with my left hand and see what happens and find out what all those neurobic benefits are to my brain when you come back with it another time. (laughs) Very good. And maybe Daisy, you can even brush your teeth with your left hand and say some positive things about yourself while you're I can high five with my right hand because my right hand will be free (laughs) because I'll be brushing with my left hand. (laughs) That's right. We'll just do it all in one fell swoop. Oh, and we should stand on one leg. Yes, too, right? that's the other thing you're supposed to do when you're brushing your teeth, which I keep keep forgetting. All these all these little tips that we say we're going to adopt as a daily routine and then we forget. <laughs> it is funny. I thought earlier today, I thought, well, we're going to talk about this and I don't do this. So let me just experiment and do this high five. And it felt weird which is actually a good thing because that means it's new. Mm. But it really, it did. It made me smile. 
And it was weird to look at myself and pay attention to myself. That's another thing she actually talked about is oftentimes we look in the mirror and don't even see ourselves. Or we get used to not wanting to look at, so avoiding looking in the mirror. I've done decades of that. So this again is to say, I see you, not in a Mm. shame and blame way, but I see you and I affirm you. So... I hope everyone will try it. Even if you can't get it going every day yet, just start practicing it and see what that feels like. Yeah, well, I think the other thing is, as cringe as it might feel, nobody else is going to be watching. So nobody's going to know you're doing it. So give it a go. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Just see, you know, see what happens. I'm definitely going to be trying it while I'm standing on one leg and brushing my teeth with my left hand. (laughs) I'm just going to do all the things. That's right. Very good. Well, until next time, I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.